The scripture around which we're going to think, uh, focus our thoughts this evening comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. I'm sure that both of my children are surprised, very surprised, when they hear that I'm preaching for Thanksgiving. They're amazed because when they were growing up, every year after we came home from church, they heard me talking like that video. You see, we went to a church, a congregation, that the pastor there, who was a dear friend of mine, had some foibles, had some peculiar ideas about Thanksgiving. For instance, he believed that this service was illegal and immoral because people could only, real Christians could only celebrate Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. There is no Thanksgiving Eve. It's only Thanksgiving Day. So this, this service wouldn't make it. Secondly, you dare never, ever, ever refer to it as Turkey Day because he felt that was an affront to God. And you see, we lived in the metro Detroit area where they had a Thanksgiving parade and a football game, and 95% of the people referred to it as Turkey Day. And it drove him crazy. So he knew that part of every sermon on Thanksgiving Day was going to be how it's not Turkey Day, it's Thanksgiving Day. And then you know that he would also say that he would always have the same theme. And the theme was that he would remind us that as Americans we had special responsibilities on Thanksgiving Day because we were the greatest country in the world, and we were the greatest country in the world because God blessed us, and the reason he blessed us was because throughout our history, we had been better than all the other nations. And you see, the problem was, this generation wasn't as good as it should be, and so if we didn't turn our act around and act better, we would lose this favored nation, this favored status before God. And it really bothered me. So the time I came back from hearing that sermon, Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving, my attitude toward Thanksgiving was like the people on that, at the start of that video who discovered there wasn't going to be any gravy. <laughs> so for me to preach on Thanksgiving is probably shocking for my whole family, even my grandson. Here's the heart of the problem with those sermons. I don't find any reference in the Bible to a Christian nation the only nation that was favored by God was the, was the people of Israel, and they couldn't handle it. They fell apart. They just broke under the pressure. They couldn't do it. The basic problem with America being this blessed nation because we're so good is that it's completely contrary to Scripture. Because as you read Scripture, you find out that God's blessings are never connected to our goodness. The harder we try to work to earn God's favor, the farther we get away because we can't do it. The Bible tells us that we're all broken, we're all fallen, we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. So it's only by God's gift, it's only by God's grace that we are brought into a saving relationship with him. And, and our thankfulness is, is routed around that act of God where he saved us rather than anything we did to save ourselves. So this evening, I'd like to reverse all those bad thanksgivings in my past and try and focus on the goal of helping us understand the underpinnings of being thankful. We can begin with a brief look at our history. It was 1621. The Plymouth Pilgrims had gathered to give thanks because they had been able to construct some lean-tos 
that somewhat protected them from the weather. They gathered to give thanks because they had found kindness in the eyes of some of their native neighbors. They gathered to give thanks because they had received an adequate harvest, a barely adequate harvest. That means that they probably weren't going to starve to death throughout that first winter. They gathered to give thanks to all of those, for all of those things, but more importantly, they gathered to give thanks to that which stood behind all of those things. They gathered to give thanks to God who had delivered them and who had brought them and that they were sure God was going to be faithful and continue to bless them in the future. So their thankfulness wasn't connected to what they had received, but in faith to what they were sure because of his promises God was going to do for them in the future. Over the years since that first Thanksgiving, presidents have issued presidential proclamations. It started in 1789 when George Washington initiated the process, encouraging the people to set aside one day to be thankful for the blessings that God had bestowed on them and to humbly implore that he would continue to bless them in the future. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln made a national proclamation that would annually set aside one day for Thanksgiving. That proclamation was issued in the middle of the Civil War. Now, no one in his right mind would thank God for the Civil War. But in the midst of that war, Lincoln knew that the nation could only survive if they put their trust and hope in a loving God. So he called on a divided nation, north and south, both sides, to celebrate one day to thank God. <coughs> Last night I had the opportunity, along with other members of one of our Connect Bible study groups, to spend the evening serving the evening meal at a homeless site in town. What struck me was that the people there, men and women, young and old, some families with small children had very little to be thankful for. For whatever reason, mental illness, substance abuse, job loss, poor choices, these people were homeless, likely jobless, eating their daily meal in a homeless feeding site with several hundred other men and women. If I were in that situation, I could find very little for which to be grateful. But what amazed me was that was not generally the case. The people being served expressed their gratitude for the food that was provided, for the volunteers who came to serve it, for the leaders of the facility who were there to offer their help. There were numerous expressions of, God bless you. God bless you for the food. God bless you for volunteering. God bless you for this place where we can come and have food. In a very desperate situation, I witnessed countless examples of people being thankful despite their circumstances. Now, I believe it's natural for us to be thankful for things like food and home and nation and family. But, but this evening, I'd like to focus on, on the spiritual nature, the spiritual underpinnings of that thankfulness, on an attitude of thankfulness. And here is where your bulletin insert begins 
and will be helpful to you to follow how we develop such an attitude, along with quite a few Bible passages that call our attention to this attitude of thankfulness. First of all, we can be profoundly and continually thankful because we know who created everything. The two Psalms we looked at earlier, again and again, gave praise to God who as the creator of the universe. We are not left to guess where we came from. We're not left to guess why we exist. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first words in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That simple passage reveals a, pro a profound truth. Our God not only is a creator of the universe, not only is our God the one who called all things that are into being, but the Bible tells us he did it so he would have a place to have a relationship with us. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply in number. We are told that God created the whole universe so he would have a place to put the crown jewel of his creation, human beings, and there to be in relationship with him. Further, we can be profoundly and continually thankful that God has spoken to us in his word. And we don't have to try and figure out who God is or what he does by observing nature or by looking at the entrails of chickens or trying to figure out what the meaning of the stars are. As God, as, as God tells us in his word in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, as, as reminder from uh, the apostle Paul to the young pastor Timothy, God said, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from whom you learned it, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We can be profoundly and continually thankful that God reveals himself to us in his word. Further, we can be profoundly and continually thankful that God has broken the chains of sin and death so that we are free to live honest lives. You see, as you read the creation account, you see that everything that God made was perfect. But the world we live in is not perfect. It's broken. The scripture tells us how human beings fell into sin and rebelled against God. But God acted to overcome that separation, to heal that hurt, to bind those wounds. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. We can be profoundly thankful that God acted in Jesus Christ to heal our brokenness, to restore our relationship, to bring us back into a familial relationship with him. We are profoundly and continually thankful that he has adopted us as sons and daughters. 
In Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, When the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. There was no higher honor in the world that Jesus lived in than for a person to adopt another person as his son, uh, to adopt that person to be the heir, to adopt that person to come into the family, where that person would have all of the rights of the natural-born sons and daughters. And it's that image that the Bible uses to talk about the relationship restored that we have because of God's action. We were lost, we strayed, we were gone, we were broken. But God adopted us back through the actions of Jesus Christ. He created us, he made us, and then he bought us back and brought us back into the family and reincorporated us. And he did it when we could do none of that. We couldn't affect that change. But God did. There's nothing we could have done to earn it, to provoke him to love us. Not at all. But he did it. He adopted us. And for that, we can be profoundly and continually thankful. You may have noticed that almost every doctor or health provider gives exactly the same advice. I don't care if you're young, if you're old, if you're fit, if you're not fit. The advice is always the same. Do exercise. Work out. Move around. Build your body up. In exactly the same way, God gives us a good command. He says, be thankful. Choose to act in a way that is thankful. In, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and following, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, forgive one another. And he goes on and on, and he gives us all of these tips for living. And at the end he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And oh yeah, be thankful. Because all of these things, all of these gifts, all of these abilities, all of these talents, all of these blessings are gifts. Things that we don't earn, things that we can't possibly deserve. But he says, this is my gift to you. I'll even give you my son as your gift. I will give a relationship with you as a gift. I will give eternal life to you as a gift. And what do you have to do? Be thankful. On this Thanksgiving, let us also remember to thank God that he has given us a purpose and a direction in our lives. We can thank God because he has given a, a purpose in our life. Do you know what it means to have purpose? To have purpose means to have a reason to get up, have a reason to strive, have a reason to endeavor. And the Bible tells us there are various elements of that purpose that God has given us. First of all, he reminds us that you are not an accident. It seems quite simple, but it's very profound. People today wonder where they came from. Who am I? Where am I? What am I supposed to do? Uh, what's my purpose? Where did I come from? 
Uh, all kinds of theories out there about where we evolved from or where we came from or what we descended from. And the Bible simply says, you are not an accident. Job chapter 12, in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of every living thing. And in Revelation chapter 4, he says, For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So you are not an accident. Each and every single one of us were part of God's plan, and he brought us into existence, and he gave us this life at this time in this place for a purpose, because he loved us. You were created because God wants you to exist. He has a purpose. He has a plan for you. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. I used to have a poster when I was dealing with college students that they always had a joke. Or they, got a, uh, they got joy out of it, I think, when they came into my office because they, they thought I was a little bit off. Uh, it said, God don't make junk. God doesn't make junk. God made us in his image, each and every one of us, with a purpose. And that purpose is the third part of this. You were created for good works. For we are what he has made us. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. God created us to do good works. And just so that we won't have to figure out what that was, he, placed those good, he places those good works in our path, in our way. He gives us opportunities. He gives us talents. He gives us abilities. Last night, God gave me the opportunity to go and serve. And in serving meals to people, I was blessed by their attitude. He prepared a good work for me that I thought I was doing. But it turned out to be a good work of blessing that was done for me. That's how God works. He gives us purpose, he gives us opportunity, and he blesses the interaction. So not only are his works done, but he also is glorified. Thank God on this Thanksgiving, not only for purpose in your life, but also for direction in your life. He gives us direction. He tells us how we should live. For direction through his word. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How should I live as God's child? Instead of telling us to figure it out on our own, he directs us instead to his word. And he says, Here, read my word, see my will, and I will lead you and guide you like a lamp and like a light. I will show you the way. And God also gives us direction in our life for direction through his spirit. It's actually a promise in Luke chapter 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receive, and everyone who searches, find. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's God's promise. As you come to him in his word, he comes back to you through his spirit. And he says, just ask, and I will give it to you. Seek, and I will help you find it. Act, and I will be with you. Pray, and I will answer you. You see, that's the power of God that we celebrate on Thanksgiving. You and I have the strength and power every day in our lives to be thankful. 
He gives us that gift. He gives us that strength. He gives us that ability. It becomes part of who we are when we give thanks in every circumstance because we begin to realize that our thanks doesn't arrive from all the stuff and things, but the spirit of thankfulness arises from the relationship that he has given us. I invite you this Thanksgiving, whether you feast alone or whether you're feasting with family and friends, to enjoy that time. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the stuffing. Enjoy the pumpkin pie and enjoy all the other stuff you consume. But don't ever, ever let those things anesthetize you to the greater joy of knowing the everlasting love of your God. Because it's that love active in your life through the work of Jesus Christ that empowers who you are, what you do, how you see the world. It gives you the power to be thankful. Gratitude to God means that we acknowledge that God is the source of the blessings. We believe that all that we have comes from him. And so we are to be thankful. If we all say, well, this is mine, I earned it, I bought it, it's mine, then we, we don't have any thanks. But when we acknowledge where it comes from, we begin to develop that attitude of thankfulness. We are submitting to God's power when we enter into that spirit of thanksgiving. We say that we believe that God can indeed do all things well. Because as we look back at our lives and we reflect on what he has done, it's a powerful testimony of, of how God has loved us, how he has served us, and how he will continue to love and serve us for the rest of our life. Thanksgiving is living by faith. It's trusting God's guidance. And it's being willing to boldly be used for his purpose. May God grant each and every one of us such a thanksgiving and such a thanksgiving life. And all God's people said,